Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Welcome to our programme. I'm John O'Connor. Coming up later in the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, implications of a no-deal Brexit for Irish agriculture, agricultural sustainability and support advisory programme, working closely with farmers in Chagask, aims to improve water quality. We look at what's happening in the Cork area. A ploughing update from Cork West with Richard White. But our top story. Morris Walsh, ICMSA North and East Cork Chairman Chairperson on Brexit and the implications for Irish agriculture. John, thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak to you and your listeners on, on this uh, topic of what can only describe now that uh, really is um, on our doorstep at this stage, you know, just doing the calculations, John, we're 840 hours as we speak from a no-deal Brexit, like 29 day, 29th of March, around the corner, 35 days, you can count it whatever way you like. But look, let's start from the start. You know that Ireland's policy on Brexit from day one was uh, prioritised, you know, with the, the north and south uh, potential dimensions over the east and west, probably uh, the British and Ireland uh, economic dimensions. And our organisation, that's the Irish Cream and Suppliers, um, understands why Ireland's interest in this was, of course, for recent historical reasons, I suppose you can, you know, they didn't want to harm the Good Friday Agreement or whatever the case may be with our, ourselves and uh, the north of, of the island. And, um, and that's why, of course, the, the EU supports this, but it, it is vital that people realise that in adopting this policy, Ireland uh, prioritised the potential of all over the economic side of the whole Brexit, uh, and that is very critical. That, that you know that that it, it could it could flow to that. Can Mr. Michael Creed keep uh, beef on UK tables? Listen, John, I think it's gone from this at this stage. You know, uh, we spoke about how close it is to a no deal Brexit, and and give you a small bit of history again. Uh, Borbia estimated in 2017 alone. Uh, our beef exports out of this island, a very small island in, in the, you can see the size of the world, 3.8 billion worth of beef was exported out of the country. In which of that, John, 1.9 billion, or 50% of that, went to the UK market. And that's where, that's where our, mark, our closest ally, England, alongside us. Dairy, in the, uh, again, a good export to uh, the UK, 1.3 billion. Um, but instead of this, of course, uh, taken over 60% of our cheddar, that's all our cheese, You could 60% of our cheese going to the UK. 
Um, I don't know where we're going to go at this stage. You know, uh, we had an interview on, on live TV there with uh, Mr. Uh, Jim Wolf and myself and um, with uh, Michael Creed. Um, you know, they, I think it's gone at this stage now from, for the ministers to be talking about uh, a deal in Brexit. I think it's, it's time for the Irish government to seek massive funding from the EU in recognition, in recognition of course, for the unprecedented multi-million euro losses that Ireland and Irish farming will suffer in the event of a no-deal Brexit. If the UK imposes massive tariffs on beef, well then the European Union could retaliate by imposing massive tariffs on UK exports. Of course, but I don't know if that's the right road to go down. You know, that's kind of a case of like tit for tat, and you know, and we can be as good as that. Um, the, first of all, look, we're, we're, we're still in hope, but it, it is really hope is all we can do, that there will be a deal put on the table. But the fact of the matter is, John, and you can call it, you can twist it or turn it any way you like, okay? The fact of the matter is that Ireland is the most exposed member in the event of a no-deal Brexit. In Ireland, farming is the most exposed sector in that. And, of course, within farming, it's the beef production is the most exposed sector within farming. So it really is all to play for. It's down to a fine line at this stage where it's going to go. Um, you can forget about um, you know, going down the road of, of course, of maybe looking for other venue or other uh, places to go. Like, but there is no possibility of securing a, an overseas market. In other words, Brazil, India, or China. Like that could even that couldn't even come near replacing the loss and of our traditional trading trades with the UK markets. We know for the past couple of years, Minister Creed has been going round and round the globe, trying to generate markets, trying to find uh, potential markets and cultivate them. China, USA, he's been round the globe. And at this point, as you've said there, we can see no significant opportunity to replace the UK as our next door neighbour and biggest market. Of course. And, and, and again, like, you know, going back to that, they... they that is the best market that we can supply our food to. And, and also as well, you know, we know now, we know we've got many years of trust to build up with, with the UK. We know exactly, as Mr. Jim Wolf stated on TV, we, we know exactly what the English palace tastes are and we know what they're looking for. We, they know that we've got a good product, we've got good traceability, you know, our, um, takes the mark, but we need to get this over the line. Unfortunately, it looks like it, it won't get there. Like, for instance, just to illustrate of what could cost the Irish farming and food industry, a study has been done in the EU, and it says in the event of no deal, or a hard bother, so to speak, that the total loss of Irish food exports by 2030 could be up as far as $5.5 billion. A few years ago, we saw where the European Union slapped sanctions onto the Russian Federation following its annexation of the Crimea area. And the European Union then brought in, in about four days, they brought in measures to protect those countries affected by loss of trade with Russia following the sanctions. As I understand it, Morris, you want to see a rapid response from the European Union. You want to see definite details of how much we're going to get and to what extent the European Union will help support Irish agriculture if the very worst comes to the worst with a no-deal crash-out by the United Kingdom from the European Union. Something along the lines of the very quick four-day response from the EU in the absence of that trade lost with the Russian Federation after the annexation of the Crimea. 
We need clarification on this because the uncertainty and the doubt that's out there, it really is troubled times for farming. And not only in farming, but across Ireland in general. But definitely we can talk about farming. Um, We need the minister now to come out with these figures and say, yes, there is X amount of money allocated now for this massive, um, you know, shortfall in, in EU recognition, of course, for the unpresented multi-million, multi-multi-million, of course, John, and I have to emphasize that, losses that will cost to the Irish food agri-business. So, Mr. Minister Creed, as I mentioned already, he, they can forget about what happens in the House, House of Commons. That's up to the, to the UK government at this stage. But where our minister can go and where Mr. Simon Coveney can go um, is to the EU. Sort out this problem over there um, and put pen to paper. Tell us what's on the cards, how much money is allocated, and it might uh, console some of our farmers. For instance, John, I was at local marts during the week, and I know I'm jumping from one thing maybe to the other. But like the calf trade is zero at the moment. You cannot give away calves. Frisian bull calves down as far as 20 and 30 euros. Like, already we've been hit with the uncertainty. This week, I would call in Minister Michael Creed to come out and give us a figure of how much money is in the pot from the EU that Irish farmers will be allocated in the event of a no-deal Brexit. Are there any plans for the ICBC to hold briefing sessions for farmers? We had a meeting briefly during the week about the whole situation. Now, um, our, our president, Mr Pat McCormack, uh, was in Brussels during the week. And um, so uh, he was over there. We're waiting for him. To, we're actually meeting with him uh, next week, uh, this week coming, to see what the update is on it. But we understand, you see, John, it is a very, very busy time on, on farms. And, and as myself, you know, as a spring calving herd, you know, the lack of sleep is, is catching up with us at this stage. So uh, meetings, we're going to leave a week go or two weeks go. Like, again, the time is ticking by. I think it's gone from, from talking maybe at this side, you know, it's in the hands of the House of Commons. The Irish cream and milk suppliers are doing all what they can behind the scenes. As I mentioned, they've been to Brussels, uh, which was yesterday on Friday. And, um, you know, we'll see what comes out of that. But at the moment, there is no meetings set with our organisation for the coming week publicly, even though we are meeting behind the scenes ourselves, because of the very busy time that's on farms with the cows that's calving at the moment. So maybe, hopefully, the week after next, we might have a public meeting on the whole situation. Hopefully, and we'll pray to God above that this will be sorted, hopefully. And again, I'd call on Mr Michael Creed to give us some comforting at this stage and tell us how much is there for our farm, for the farmers, and at least take the doubt out of things that there is a cushion to fall back on. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Morris Walsh, the ICBSA Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association Chairman, Chairperson for North and East Cork Region. Thank you, Morris, very much indeed. Thank you, John. Mr. Pat O'Toole, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, looks at the current situation regarding Brexit and UK reported plans to open doors to Brazilian beef. Welcome to the programme, Pat. Could you please review events leading up to the current situation where we now find ourselves looking at a possible no-deal Brexit? Of course, yes. Since uh, Britain voted to leave the EU, the threat uh, to our dairy and beef trade in particular uh, with the UK has been apparent. And uh, I suppose the worst fears are now being Uh, realised. We're on the brink of a no-deal crash-out by Britain. Um, There's no agreement in place. Uh, only about 35 days left now, and uh, very hard to see an agreement being made uh, unless we uh, give up the backstop. And the hope is that Ireland 
and the Europe will hold firm on the backstop for reasons I'll come to. So where are we this week? Well, what happened was on Tuesday, Michael Gove, who is the Minister for the Environment and his responsibility for agriculture, um, I think it's an indicator of uh, the different uh, emphasis that the UK uh, puts on agriculture politically, that there's no Ministry for Agriculture. It's called the Minister, Minister for the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs. So um, he was at the conference of the National Farmers Union. They're the biggest uh, union in, in uh, representing farmers in the UK. And he pledged to support British farmers. And he would support them by introducing tariffs on imports of food into the EU. Um, and tariffs uh, are taxes that are placed between different trading nations who don't have a trade agreement or who aren't part of a common market. Currently, we're part of a common market with Britain. And... Uh, uh, we've had unfettered trade since long before we joined the EU, really since the end of the economic war, since the early days of the state. And, um, and that will all stop when Britain leaves the EU. And uh, in case of a crash out, we're going to have tariffs imposed, high level tariffs too, three euros a kilo on beef. Um, that would double the price of minced beef, pretty much along the lines the Phil O'Neill revealed early in the year in the Farmer's Journal. It would cost the beef sector 750 million a year. It would cost the dairy sector about 400 million a year, with cheddar being the worst affected product. Uh, half of our beef exports go into the UK. They, uh, we're the dominant force on the British uh, supermarket shelves when it comes to beef. 70% uh, of British imports come from Ireland. So it's a hugely important relationship for both sides. And uh, similarly, uh, the majority of cheddar that's exported is going to the UK. So uh, hugely important markets. Um, the, uh, that was on Tuesday. The following morning, we became aware in the Farmers' Journal of the briefing document that would be going to Cabinet in terms of how the tariffs would be operated. And uh, if the tariffs are high wall that Irish uh, farm product would have to climb over, there's a giant hole being blown in the wall by the British cabinet and by the government because um, they're going to introduce tariff-free quotas. And uh, on the face of it, that sounds good because that would mean that a huge amount of the beef that Britain would be importing would not have any tariff imposed on it. Um, the problem is that that tariff-free quota is available to Brazil, to the US, to Australia, anywhere. So Ireland would now be battling in a cheap food environment uh, where the elevated standards, the elevated uh, uh, market prices that are there in the EU uh, would have vanished. And uh, in a post-Brexit scenario, we'd be in a free-for-all. Uh, so that's a, that's a horror situation. And that's, that was Wednesday. So the week has been going pretty badly. Looking at the comment of your editor, editor of the Farmers Journal and CEO, Justin McCarthy, essentially this could wipe out Irish beef in a no-deal scenario. Yeah, um, to put it in some context, the last time Brazil had unfettered access to the British uh, retail trade, uh, our beef was down to about 280. Um, uh, of course, what happened then was Brazil were more or less locked out of the European market on standards and not on price because uh, of the campaign uh, done by the IFA and the Farmers Journal, where we exposed huge shortcomings in the traceability uh, of Brazilian beef. So um, the standards that the European consumer currently takes for granted of uh, animal welfare, of uh, the ethical production of animals on animal transport, on traceability, and on the environmental status of our farms, 
all of that is going to be traded away. Um, so I suppose the only hope for Irish farmers is that uh, that there will be a fund in place and that the support will quickly come from Brussels. So um, on uh, on Friday, uh, the Commission have announced that they're going to increase the maximum amount of aid that farmers can get, um, uh, of state aid that farmers can get. Currently, it's fifteen thousand euros. Plus, that's going to be increased to twenty-five, a minimum or to a maximum of twenty-five thousand. So that's a step in the right direction. But what we really need is for Europe to pledge that it will retaliate with high tariffs on British exports to Europe if Britain imposes high tariffs, and that the money collected from those tariffs will be passed out to Irish and European farmers who have lost out because of this trade war. Well, there's a huge uh, financial hole to be filled in. There there are a few things that can be done. The first thing is there are very strict rules on state aid, and uh, those are now being uh, set aside to some degree uh, to allow Ireland to come to the aid of its farmers. Uh, These famous de minimis rules that we've dealt with before in relation to the low interest loan funds or in relation to the uh, crisis fund that was put in place for tillage farmers after the harvest losses in your part of the country back in 2016. So um, I think uh, that, yes, uh, there are uh, there are things that can be done. The de minimis aid uh, maximum had been 15,000. That's now been increased to 25,000. But the main thing that needs to be done is a fund needs to be put in place. And remember, if there's going to be trade tariffs, there'll be both ways. So the trade tariffs imposed by Europe in retaliation on British exports into Europe, and uh, Europe is Britain's main export market, especially for for um, for, for goods, and uh, more so than services, and that the, the tariffs that are uh, placed on all those exports, and uh, that that money can be directed to farmers, and especially Irish farmers, who will be the most disenfranchised people uh, by a hard Brexit. Um, I think that would, if uh, this is a hardball by Britain, and if this is designed to get uh, Ireland and Europe to buckle on issues like the backstop, I think the best response will be to put money in place and say, if it's a trade war, it's a trade war. Um, and I think the importance of the backstop was never more apparent because in terms of the purpose of the backstop, um, it's designed to keep Britain in the common market in uh, post-Brexit um, until there's a full and final trade agreement between the EU and Britain. And this comes down, it's not politics. It's been presented as politics in the UK and it's an ideological battle, but actually this is about trade. It's about standards, because if you're in the common market, you must maintain common standards. And by uh, staying in the common market under the backstop until there's a trade agreement, Britain will be bound by the standards that Europe and Ireland maintain. And that would keep uh, the elevated product in Europe and keep the uh, inferior product out, um, which would be to our huge advantage and would allow an orderly withdrawal of Brexit. It seems the logical solution. So um, for those people who think we should cut a deal and get rid of the backstop, getting rid of the backstop actually sets us on the same road as Michael Gove was setting out this week in terms of high tariffs and huge quotas and battling with Brazilian beef in a cheap food environment, just in a, a, slower, a slower lane, but on the same road. Uh, so I think Irish farmers have to hope that our government holds firm. 
And, of course, we're talking about the eventuality of a no deal, which becomes daily more and more likely the prospect of the UK not reaching agreement with the EU on their withdrawal plans. And, of course, we have, on a couple of occasions, Minister Michael Creed has said that, you know, come what may, he will ensure, or he certainly will do his best to ensure that Irish beef stays on UK supermarket shelves. But, of course, that may be an aspiration more than anything else when you look at the strength of uh, the threat to Irish beef? Well, I suppose there's, there's, two, there's two layers to that aspiration. One is to keep the volume of beef on the shelf because it's not easy to find new markets for that large volume of beef. Um, uh, the other one is that uh, it, it's the price. Um, it's not much good to Irish farmers if that beef is still on... Uh, supermarket shelves in the UK, but at a loss-making price. As things stand, farmers are barely breaking even at best. Beef prices need to go up um, in order for winter finishers to get their shirts back. Uh, the dry stock farmers have had a really tough 18 months, and um, unless prices increase, you would have fears for beef farming as it is. So uh, the capability of the beef sector in particular to withstand any more uh, financial blows. Uh, it's questionable. The dairy sector, on the other hand, I suppose, has been, it, it's been the success story of Irish farming. But because of the level of expansion, uh, the dairy sector would be vulnerable to a sustained plunge in prices. So uh, that cheddar market is very, very important to the Irish co-ops. But at least I think the minister, the government, the European Union, the EU Commission, I think they now understand the extent of the threat to the Irish dairy industry, to the Irish beef sector and to Irish exports in general. So at least at this point, even though there are many unknowns, at least our government has brought in legislation and is watching the scene very, very closely. Yeah, and I mean, um, it's quite a long time now since say, the IFA produced its uh, Brexit analysis since the Agricultural uh, Committee of the Oireachtas produced its Brexit analysis since the IFA hosted a huge Brexit conference uh, in Goffs. Um, that's uh, heading for two years ago now since those things took place. But all of them set out the kind of scenarios we're now looking at. Um, it's one thing, though, to prepare for this kind of chaos um, and it's another thing to experience it and especially for farm families where putting bread on the table week to week is the issue uh, how they will be able to negotiate the first weeks and months of this possible trade war you know that that's the defining uh, issue and that uh, money coming is one thing but the money has to come very quickly Looking back a few years ago, it's more or less forgotten now, but the major sanctions when they were brought in against the Russian Federation following the annexation of the Crimea, well, I think at that point the Baltic states and the smaller states uh, dependent on Russian trade or very near to Russia, I think there was a fund, if I'm not mistaken, there was a considerable tranche of funding allocated to those states who would suffer directly as a result of the sanctions on uh, the Russian Federation. That's correct, and, and the most vulnerable sectors in that case uh, were, the, um, were the fresh fruit and uh, vegetable sectors of Southern Europe. Um, Russia was a huge market for them, and uh, 
they were there was compensation in place for those sectors within four days of the trade bans being announced. So it, Europe can do it, and the hope is that they'll do it again. Um, the uh, in fact, and 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 it wasn't just those sectors. The dairy sector uh, lost out to some degree, and there was uh, money paid out to dairy farmers about. 1300 euros I think um, in 2016 and the following year money that was brought to Ireland under the same fund and um, uh, the emergency support fund was turned into the first low interest loan scheme so uh, we are in a situation where uh, you know there there is precedence uh, of Europe acting promptly and effectively uh, we need that to happen again and I mean it, this is in terms of the finances of Irish dry stock farms in particular, it's make or break. Thank you, Pat. Mr. Pat O'Toole, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal. And we were talking there about the various articles covering potential impact of a no-deal Brexit on Irish agriculture based on articles by Pat O'Toole and other journalists in the Irish Farmers Journal edition, Saturday, 23rd of February, 2019. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Richard White, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Richard, you've results now from ploughing at the weekend and details of this weekend's match. Thank you, John. The Cork Ploughing Association held our 23rd annual match on Sunday last, February the 17th at Barleyfield Committee on the lands of Charlie and Valerie O'Connell by the kind permission. A special guest on the day was Annie May McHugh, Managing Director of the NPA, who was high in her praise of the standard of ploughing at the event. It's the seventh weekend in a row which we have a ploughing match, and we've, I suppose, thanked the men above for the, the great run of weather we have and the great bit of luck we've had with, with, the, with the ploughing events this, this, this year. And um, just one match to go now with the county final coming up on tomorrow Sunday at Bandon. And um, even after seven matches, there are still four classes in which the uh, the competition is so keen that it will go down to the wire as to who will be representing Cork at the at the All Ireland next October. And, and those classes are the senior tractor, the under 28 tractor, the trevor conventional, and the senior uh, senior hydraulic vintage. So um, the results on Sunday at Cork were as follows: uh, senior tractor first, Jim Grace. Second, John Murphy. Third, Kieran Corkley. Fourth, Jackie O'Driscoll. Fifth, Dennis McCarthy. Uh, the intermediate, first, Johnny O'Donovan. Second, Stanley Dean. And third, Dennis Murphy. The under-28, first, George Kirby. Second, Aidan O'Donovan. The under-21, first, James O'Sullivan. And second, Eno Farrell. In the ladies' class, first was Ellen Nyan. And second was Rachel O'Driscoll. The marker class first was David Welch, and second Keen Harrington. Uh, the three for a conventional first Matthew Coakley, second John Cohan, and third Michael White. Uh, the senior reversible first Liam O'Driscoll, second George Coakley, and third Michael Witcherley. The under 28 reversible first Conor O'Farrell. The three for reversible first Patrick Welch. Second, Tim Lawler, and third, Dan Hurley. The senior hydraulic vintage, first, Dennis Cummins. Second, Michael Ryan. Third, Mike Comey. Fourth, Phelan Cotter. And fifth, Marashihi. The trailer vintage, first, was John Wolfe. The confined hydraulic vintage, first, was James Cohan. Second, Pascal Cockton. Third, Ita Wiesma. 
and fourth, Sean McCarthy. The single for the first was Gordon Jennings, and second, Damien Ahern. The under 40 horse class first was Shane McCarthy, and in the Ahern horse we had uh, Francis Nocton coming first and uh, coming all the way from Clare to take part. So uh, on tomorrow Sunday, it's on to the county final, and it's being held at um, Kilbegan Bandon on the lands of Norman and Tanner by the kind permission. It's quite easily accessed. It's on the Bandon Crossberry Road, just a little bit out beyond the AIB meat factory. And uh, they would like the entries to be in by today, Saturday, by 12 noon, uh, to the following numbers. It's 86 Thank you, Richard. Mr. Richard White, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Thank you very much, John. You're very welcome. The next Beef Plan Movement 2018 to 2025 will take place at the Vienna Woods Hotel, Glanmire, just outside Cork City on Thursday, 28th of February, 8pm. Further information available from the following, Mr. Michael McCarthy at 87 or Mr. J.J. Murphy, 086-8821-969, or John Welch, 086-244-7869, or Frank Roach, 086-661-0599, Ger Janine, 087-2035-669, or alternatively, Miss Helen O'Sullivan, 087-2839-703 for the West Cork area. That's the Beef Plan Movement. Next uh, meeting, Vienna Woods Hotel, Glanmire, just outside Cork City, Thursday, 28th of February, 8pm. Further information available on the website www.beefplan.ie or on Facebook at Beef Plan. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Michael Creed, has announced the early opening of the application process for the BPS Basic Payment Scheme and also the Greening Scheme. Minister Creed said he was delighted to announce that the online application system for applications for the 2019 BPS is now open. Farmers will soon be receiving a BPS information pack in the post containing terms and conditions of the scheme, as well as maps and land details. Under EU regulations, all applications must be submitted online. Minister Creed pointed out that last year saw all Irish farmers apply online, and this, he said, is reflective of the range of benefits that online applications bring to farmers. Minister Creed confirmed that the closing date for BPS applications this year, 2019, is Wednesday 15th of May. He urged all farmers and their advisers to avail of the early opening of the application process now rather than wait until nearer to the closing date of Wednesday 15th of May. Minister Creed pointed out to help farmers submit their applications online this year, he had ensured this early opening of the BPS application facility. This would, he said, provide ample time for farmers to familiarise themselves with the online application facility and to submit their applications before the deadline. 
All elements of the direct payment scheme, BPS, Greening, Young Farmer Scheme, National Reserve, Transferring of Entitlements and the ANC's Areas of Natural Constraint Scheme were now online. This Minister Cree suggested helps to ensure the Department could process all applications under these schemes as efficiently as possible. Should farmers wish to contact the Department in relation to the online application, they can do so at the following numbers and websites. First of all, 0761 in relation to queries on registering for www.agfood.ie, for example, queries on lost passwords, how to register, etc. And the other number, 0761064420. And that's in relation to queries on actually completing the BPS application once registered on www.agfood.ie. Mr Creed said officials from his department would also be providing a range of supports to farmers over coming weeks and months, including a series of BPS clinics in locations throughout the nation. Further supports, such as telephone helplines, will also be in place. These supports will ensure that all farmers are able to access these important payments. Amongst the benefits available to online applicants is the availability of the preliminary checks for online applications. These preliminary checks allow online applications to be advised of certain errors at an early stage and to correct any such issues without any penalty. The Minister said that preliminary checks have proved very successful in previous years. They represent one of the many advantages, he said, for farmers that the BPS Applications online system offers. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, we have Mr Lane Giles from the Sustainability and Support Advisory Programme vis-à-vis Agriculture. First of all, Lane, welcome to the programme. Now, could you please tell our listeners what exactly this is, this Agriculture Sustainability and Support Advisory Programme actually is, that you are one of the key people involved in it. I think it's called, for short, AWSAP. So what exactly is this for our listeners? Well, it's a, it's a sustainability um, advisory and support programme for farmers that um, are farming in catchments that, that are, have been prioritised and, uh, I suppose, required a bit of attention in order to bring the quality of the water up to good status in the, over the next few years. Um, so that's, that's my role as, a, as an agricultural advisor. Um, and I work as part of a bigger group of people who work on this programme, um, you know, ranging from scientists um, through to... Uh, agriculturalists, you know, on the advisory side, and you know, there's a large um, group of people behind that. Again, in terms of um, you know, uh, researchers and and so forth, uh, working collaboration with industry and farm organisations, and of course, farmers, which are the main people that we will be working with over the next few years. Now, this ASSAP, when and where will this be available? Yeah, this is at the operational stage. We're actually calling out to farmers as we speak in areas for action. Um, and it's available to the farmers that are within the ca- catchments um, uh, that have been identified as uh, areas that require action. Um, so the number of areas, I suppose, across the country, it's a nationwide program. Um, there's 190 areas for action that have been identified. And it's available to those farmers within those areas uh, you know, to, to, to avail of the service. It's a free and confidential, non-regulatory advisory 
service and the aim of improving water quality in, in these catchments. Uh, so it's, it's 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 up and running. Uh, you know, we've had a few public meetings. Um, there's two public meetings that have been already been held in West Cork uh, in uh, in uh, to do with the catchment cluster Manway and to do with the catchment cluster Skull. And uh, in these areas, we're calling out to farmers and. Um, uh, in, in the catchment area in close to Manway, in, in what's called the Caha uh, 20 catchment area. Uh, we've had a streamside meeting there, which a number of farmers, local farmers attended. And uh, we went through different things on the day in terms of mitigation options that they could uh, con- consider in conjunction with the, with the advisor on their farm in order to improve um, quality of the water uh, in the river, you know. In the context of the entire European Union, where would our ASAP uh, programme stand? Uh, what kind of rating would you give us? It's one of its kind. Uh, we don't know of any other kind in Europe whereby the farmers are being um, collaborated with uh, to such an extent. It's a, it's a complete, um, uh, if you like, uh, change of approach. Um, in the past here, it's been regulation followed by penalties and farmers, you know, we have this sense of the department being the regulatory authority and uh, the penalising authority, which, of course, uh, you know, these uh, these arms of the state are still there and they're still functioning in that sense. But uh, as regards within these certain areas of action, um, you know, these these areas are, are, are being treated differently because they're prioritised. And being as under the, the priority that it's given, it's given the status that uh, that you know we're, we're interested in giving free advice and free services to farmers here, without actually concerning ourselves whether they're, they're uh, meeting the standards or not. It has nothing to do with regulation. Uh, it's a service that's offered in complete confidence, and it's it's the, the actions to be taken are voluntary, and uh, to that extent, um, it, it gives the power back to the farmers again. Uh, in, 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 in that sense, it, it empowers farmers rather than disempowers them. So I would I would think it's very uh, futuristic in its approach. I, I, I think um, if we can make this work, and I, I'm very confident that we can, uh, it's very hopeful for the future in terms of a template um, of engagement between, let's say, farmers and uh, other organizations, uh, you know, that heretofore would have been um, maybe a little, a little more uh, harder to deal with, you know. Um, so... There's, there's a major incentive there. Uh, it's coming from the market. So these prioritised areas, they have been identified, you know, in terms of um, the possibility of bringing them back up to, to good status. And uh, we're aiming to work on them first. And uh, it's an incremental approach. There's a lot of work to be done. And, um, you know, there's 30 advisors uh, dedicated to this across the country, um, together with another 40 catchment scientists, um, you know, but still... We're looking at 190 areas for action uh, out of a possible many more water bodies that are in the country. And uh, so it, it, it's, there's a lot of work to be done. And um, it's, it's over time we'll see the results. Um, so it's, 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 it's like that, you know. And when and where is the public meeting taking place? So for the moment, we're working both in the Glanstream Stream and the Caja Stream, uh, north of Dunmanway. There will be a farmer meeting to follow the... a farmer streamside meeting to follow the... Um, the Skull public meeting, uh, would say within the next three weeks, maybe. And uh, so that, that has yet to be organised, but that, that'll be the next one. And from there, then, it'll be it'll be out on, on, on farms in that area. There's a 22 catchments in Cork County. Maybe a handful of these public meetings have taken place. Um, uh, these meetings are organised by the, the local authority. Uh, and um, 
maybe if you want to, it could possibly be followed on the on the website, watersandcommunities.ie. Now, the Green Cert course, that's a very important, extremely important course in terms of agricultural education. So the Green Cert course, have you any contact phone numbers or the names of people who could give information to listeners inquiring about the Green Cert course? And are there any age limits? No, there's no age limit. Um, and uh, so the West Cork part-time Green Cert course is, is open at the moment. And um, I was asked to give it a plug. It's Pat Flannery in McCroom, uh, Chagas office. Um, and his phone number is 026-41604. And uh, Marty Fitzgerald in the, in the Chagas office in Skibreen. And his phone number is 028-21888. And they're the people who can give further information on that Um to anybody who's interested in, in, in the Chagas part-time course. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Lane Giles, Agricultural Sustainability and Support uh, Advisory Programme. Thanks, Lane. Thank you, John. And that's our programme for this morning. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to John Foot on Controls. And as always, a very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Have an enjoyable weekend. The next uh, Farm Talk programme is scheduled for this coming Wednesday between 10pm and 11pm. Thanks for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Trusted by generations of farmers. Dairy Gold Quality Feeds. Putting your animal nutrition needs first. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.